The last time that I preached, Tim asked me, so he said, now just keep it under 50 minutes and everybody will be happy. And I did, and I not everybody was happy. So, unfortunately, with that one, I had four pages of notes, and today I have six. So I'm hoping that I keep it under Bazinga. I'm just kidding. That was a joke. Uh, I, uh, I only did two pages this time, so hopefully you'll get you guys out and we can go enjoy the sunlight. I know it's a, uh, a great, you know, it's been a, it's been a great weekend that the 4th, uh, we had good weather. Uh, they, they had rain south of us, but we did great. Uh, and so it was, the festivities were phenomenal. And uh, so, uh, like I said in the onset, Tim, uh, and a and a big group of people are um are down in uh Mexico. Uh as I was walking up here or actually as I, I left my house at seven thirty to go, you know, run over my sermon again and there was all kinds of cars already lined up up here and I'm like, all right, there's they must all know that I'm gonna speak today because they're they're all just lining up up there, you know, two and a half hours early. Uh and then I got up here and found out that actually they all just fled the country because I was preaching. And so uh, I don't know how I, I, I feel about that, but um, I grew up uh, playing sports. Sports were a big part of my life. I know that uh, a lot of people have that. Uh, I was one of those people, and I'm, and I'm still one of those people, that when I start training for something, uh, I'm, I'm almost obsessive about it. Uh, I, I, uh, I go uh, kind of kind of uh above and beyond uh and uh and so when i was a, when i was in high school i played football and i i was a gym rat I, I was uh i would i would be in the gym four to five times a week uh, i would be you know all the all the ridiculous things that that you uh, before google where you could learn how to do all this stuff i was reading books on how to do all, like, all how to do the different things so that I would have a competitive edge and a competitive, competitive advantage. Uh, and there's a guy that, uh, that played on, uh, on a team with me. Same position as me, uh, which luckily I was defensive tackle in high school. So he was also a defensive tackle. There's two of them. So it worked out okay. Uh, but, uh, he never did anything. He was the laziest person I've ever met in my life. He would, uh, we would go to the, to the weight room. He would maybe get some of his sets in. He'd may, you know, uh, he would, he, he was, he would fly by the minimum. And when we would practice, he would, you know, he wouldn't, he wouldn't, uh, he wouldn't run. He wouldn't go hard or whatever, but he was such a natural athlete that he succeeded and he was better than me. And that drove me crazy because here I, I feel like I worked and I worked and I worked and then watched somebody else excel over me when he was, uh, when he was, you know, when it would come down to the, to game time. Uh, I, I've, I've since picked up running, uh, and this is, this is a newer thing for me. My father-in-law said it's because I'm too old to play any other sports. Um, and so I guess maybe that's what it is, but, uh, I started running and I ran, uh, for the, for the first time in my life, I ran a 15K, uh, what, a month and a half, two months ago, something like that. And as I'm running, 
up one of the larger, larger, longer, larger hills of this thing. I'm running with a guy, uh, and we just start talking. And you know, as we're and uh, I pointed up this because there's a real steep hill up, and and I I go out and run some of these areas beforehand. So I'm like, I have an idea what terrain I'm going to get myself into, and you know where there there's where if I pass out and die, there's a good spot right there, and uh, that kind of thing. So I, I, I pointed up to the hill and I said, Hey, have you ever run up that hill right there? Cause I did that, you know, uh, in, in training, in training for this. Uh, and he goes, no, he goes, not, he goes, really, I, I don't really run very much. Huh? He goes, yeah, I go, you don't run very much. I mean, you're, you're running in a 15K. He's like, yeah, this is the first time I've gone out and run all year. And he's running even with me at like mile seven. And, uh, and I'm like, okay, whatever, you know. And here I've trained from, you know, October till this point and I, and yet they just excel. They just, they, they just seem to, uh, that no matter what I do, somebody else is, is better and they don't even have to work at it. Right? Uh, brings to an unfair, <laughs> unfair advantages in life. They're, uh, uh, there's a guy that, that's a good friend of mine, um, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave his I'm gonna I'm gonna make a name up for him. We'll call him we'll call him Davis. I don't know, uh, and uh, that's not his real name. So if you guys are after this, like that is a great story. I want to pray for Davis. Uh, he's not a real person. He is a real person, but that's not his real name. So uh, this this guy Davis grew up in a church. He. Uh, he, his family, his parents drug him to church. He was, uh, um, he actually ended up being kind of a, kind of a, uh, a leader within, within his youth group. Uh, he, uh, he, they had a little like council of people in their youth group and they basically like all got together and said, this is what we should do as a youth group. And they planned things out and that kind of stuff. And he was nominated by the, by his, his peers to be, uh, this to be this leader in this in this youth group, and um, and, and so he uh, he grew up and from what from the people that I knew that knew him then they would say yeah he was he was just on fire, like just loved God, was there for people. He started a Bible study in his school and all this stuff. Well, he kind of came across some hard times. Some bad things happened in his life. He, he, um, uh, his, one of his parents, uh, had, had a mental illness, uh, that, that caused, uh, abuse. And, and just, he, he was, he was really struggling through some things. And because of it, he made a poor decision. Now, in that poor decision, he went and talked to somebody about this poor decision. He went and talked to a, a, one of his adult youth sponsors. Uh, and, and thinking he was going to get some sort of grace in the manner. But instead, this guy uses an opportunity to make himself look really great. And he ended up turning it around and just, you know, talking about this guy, doing things that, you know, just basically tore this guy down. Told him, you know, you don't have enough faith in your life. And maybe that's what, anyway, just started doing some real hurtful things to this guy. And, 
and he uh he was he got pretty upset uh and, and so far upset that he went and, and uh he went to the uh, his pastor and said this guy's doing this and this and he's cutting me down you know basically so that he could be popular <laughs> you know all everybody loves him and he's you know circling people around him and they're making fun of me from the things that I've done and and the pastor said oh I don't see it that way you know and uh he gave him a Kleenex told him to dry up okay so he uh he gave up on all of that started started finding uh started finding um hope elsewhere started finding acceptance elsewhere uh ended up uh i mean to this day he'll tell you that he is he is a staunch atheist until you talk to him about god and then he's got a lot of curse words to say and it's really crazy for someone to say I don't believe in somebody, but they make me so mad that that they make me want to curse. See, he blames God for for the things that happened to him, for the things in his life that happened to him. He's he's blaming God, saying, "Well, you know, well." Meanwhile, this guy over here, he watched as he he ascended and and succeeded within the church and was popular and. And he, and he, he eventually, that guy, that guy eventually went on to become the youth pastor of that church. And, and they, they just, there was, he stopped, you know, that, he stopped caring altogether about, about God. Still to this day, he, he struggles with the concept of God. Uh, because he, he feels like that if God, if God is love, why would God do those things to me? Blaming God for it, or allow those things. You know, if that's who God is, then forget God. I don't want Him. You see, uh, I feel like this is a, an issue we we come into. And as as I'm going to go into Scripture here, so if you have a Bible, um, I'm going to go into Psalm 73. Before I get to that, it'll be First Chronicles. Uh, 15 and 16. So if you want to have your finger in both places, that would be fantastic. First uh, Chronicles 15 and 16 and Psalm 73. So we'll give you a chance to find that. You see, he he came across an incident where he sees that things are unfair. And not only are they unfair, but people that should be uh, embarrassed by their actions, people that should be uh, that that whose whose goals were self motivated, he watched people that were self motivated become important, while he became nothing. And I want to I want to start with that because I think that that is. Maybe you guys have never met met or seen anything like this. I have seen this a lot of times. And I have seen people exalted because they set out and their goal to raise themselves up and in the process will tear other people down. 
See, for every, for every hurtful or for every, you know, blessing I bring upon myself in my own power, I have to hurt somebody in order to get it. Because it's not a blessing from God, it's a blessing from me. And so I can look at the, okay, this is, this is, this is my, uh, this is my joy. This is, look at this, how great my life is and blah, blah, blah. But in the process, I hurt somebody. And that's not the way God intended it. But we also live in a world that God didn't intend. So, um, we go into Psalm uh, 73. Uh, this is a, a psalm by, uh, by Asaph. And for the, um, for those of you, I actually had, uh, three people this week as I was talking about, uh, Psalms that told me that they did not realize that David did not write every single one of the Psalms. And there's probably people here, so that's okay if you didn't realize that. He, he wrote over half of them. Uh, 75 of them they've credited to David. But there, there's, uh, there's, they're basically a collection. Psalms is a collection of Hebrew uh, songs uh, that they that they sang in praise to God. Go back to as far as Moses, uh, there there's a there's a Psalm of Moses. Uh, there's a there's um, uh, th- this is this one's a song of, uh, of Asaph. So I th- I, w- I want to give you a quick background as to who Asaph is, so you you know. I mean, we all know David's background story. So when you read his Psalms, you're like, oh, I bet he was talking about that when he did this. You know, but I want to give you a background of who Asaph is. And so because of that, I'm going to go back to 1 Chronicles. Uh, 1 Chronicles 15. It's uh, verse, verse uh, 19. Now this is, this is, David has just become king and, and you know he and Saul, you know he overthrew Saul. Saul's now gone out of the picture, and he is the king. Uh, and David is just just now king, and uh, he is changing the location of the center of his kingdom uh, to what that they refer to in the Old Testament as the city of David. We know today as Jerusalem. Uh, and uh, he sets up a, he sets up a nice. Uh, place he actually because of the mountains in the area it was a, it was a really good um, fortified city so he went and camped there built there and then once he got built he sent for uh, the ark of the covenant uh, which the ark of the covenant is uh, where where God dwelled among them they you know that you see it they 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 bring it with them. Uh, God's people bring it with them. It is the it, it is uh, uh, throughout the Old Testament where the presence of God dwells. So he sends for the Ark of the Covenant to come to the city of David, and the people that are accompanying it, he's got he's got some people that carry it, and then he's just got a bunch of musicians to sing praises as they as they they bring it to. The city of David. So they're marching across, you know, Israel across the mountains and and whatever. And it said uh, the Levites appointed Haman son of Joel from from his relatives, Asaph son of Berechiah. There he is, uh, and their relatives, blah blah. And and then 
Uh, it goes on to verse 19 and says the musicians, Haman, Asaph, Ethan, were to, were to sound the bronze cymbals. And it goes on to talk what the other guys did. Uh, some of them played harps and lyres. And um, they, they, uh, so they, they've basically created a bunch of instruments and they are marching with these instruments with the, uh, with the Ark of the Covenant to the city of David. Now, I don't know if you guys have ever seen any of these like old ancient Asian instruments, uh, but, uh, but, you know, they, they're not, they're not quite as nice as the ones we have here today. They're not, you know, uh, they, they, they didn't have a, uh, you know, th- these nice, like this guitar here was handcrafted and, and they, they, uh, they more, more or less would, uh, put some strings together and play it with some, uh, some bird claws and ding, ding, ling, 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 right? And, uh, and, and they would, uh, so I mean, it was, it was basically like a bunch of little children you would see would create a bunch of instruments. This is, gives you a picture of what we've got walking in, into, into, uh, following the Ark of the Covenant, which is the presence of God and a bunch of handcrafted instruments and, and they're, and they're, and they're playing, you know, I, uh, <clears throat> I don't know the, they're, they're playing all these instruments. Uh, they're banging together big giant pieces of steel and, and they're, that's what they're calling symbols. Okay. It's not, not quite as nice as the, the symbol set we got going on up here. Uh, but they've got, they've, you know, like the giant gongs you've seen, that kind of stuff. It's just a giant piece of sheet metal that they're just hitting with things. And, uh, I don't know, probably someone was probably playing some octopus tentacles or I don't know what they, what all they did to, to get all of these instruments together. But you've got this picture of all these people and they are, uh, they're marching in with Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, and they're playing music. And, if you know anything about David, you got, you know, this kind of makes sense. David would appoint a bunch of people to sing praises, to have music, to be, uh, and then if you go, if you fast forward to, 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 to chapter 16, uh, he goes on to give them, uh, and I'm not, I'm going to spare you reading the whole thing. You can go home and read it. Uh, but he, he goes on to, to talk about all the different instruments these people played. And all the, you know, basically, he, after they get established, he brings the Ark of the Covenant into his tent, and he appoints people to stay outside of it and sing praises to God. Asaph is the the leader of this group. So what you have here is is your first organized worship band. Their whole purpose, their whole goal was to stand in the presence of God, sing praises to God. Sing about all the things that God has done. And, uh, this is the guy that writes this, this passage in Psalm. And so now I want to jump in. We're going to actually read Psalm 73 together. Uh, and I'll probably, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna mock through this. So I'm gonna do a couple verses and then just so that you guys understand. Uh, we're just gonna d- dig through it, conclude it, and we'll be go. So, uh, Psalm 73, 
verses 1, it says, Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped, and I had nearly lost my foothold. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. There it is. I saw a bunch of people. He, this is what he's saying. He said, you know, for the good people, there's a lot of good people in the world. And for those people, you know, uh, the ones that are pure in heart, surely God's good to them. But it's not as easy for me. <laughs> That's what he's saying. Uh, it's not as easy for me because I set out uh, following God and, and I see people succeeding in life at the expense of other people. I see wicked people in the world. He goes, and I see them, uh, I see arrogant people in the world that are, uh, that are prospering while, while people that follow God are being, uh, you know, rejected. And so he says, um, he, I almost, I almost slipped. He, I liken this to the, to the story of my friend Davis. Uh, I liken it to that because he's seeing the same things going on. It's not a new thing. It's not new to our culture. He sees people succeeding through wickedness, and he becomes bitter. And so you read as he as he follows on, he, his bitterness comes out as he's as, in the way that he talks about the people that are succeeding. He says they have no struggles; their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burden. They are not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts come iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. With arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven, and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how would God know? Does the, does the Most High know anything? This is what the wicked are like, always free of care. They go on amassing wealth. Pause. He's basically saying in this, there are people that uh, are questioning God. They're 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 living in, in their in their their own filth and being praised for it. So moving on, he says, "Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure." And have washed my hands in innocence. Now I want to stop on this real quick. Because. When you read this. How many people. Are focusing on. The, the people that are being succeed, that are being successful. And saying well that's fair and then this guy. And how many people are actually focusing on. Asaph's heart through this. Because when you. When, when I first read it or the probably the first 30 times I've read this, I would have thought, yeah, that's, there's people that are not getting what, what's fair. But in reality, Asaph's the one that's in, the, that's in a sinful heart and a sinful mindset here. Because he's so self-focused 
that he's allowing himself to be turmoiled. He's allowing himself to be distraught because he doesn't have the things that they have. He's living envious of, as he says, of their stuff. And he says, surely in vain, and I looked up the definition of vain, so I want to I read that to you. It is any of the tubes forming part of the blood circulatory system of the body carrying in most case oxygen depleted blood toward the heart. I'm just kidding. That's that's a different spelling. Um, I thought that would be funny. Uh, having having or showing excessively high opinion of one's appearance, abilities, or worth. So he's saying, I kept myself pure in vain for my own benefit. So that I would look good, I kept myself pure. And, and so now that he's coming to this realization that the reason that I feel the way that I feel is because I'm trying to please myself. And I'm doing all the right things, but my heart is far from God. I'm, I would rather have the things that perish and pass away. I'm envying the things that perish and pass away because what I have is just not enough. Because my objective to getting things is for myself. It's so that I would look good. And so he, uh, and it, as you watch it it, it, it it brings him to a point of, of what I would just say depression. He uh, said, so, back to verse 14 he says all day long i have been afflicted and every morning brings new punishments if i had spoken out like that i would have betrayed the children uh, betrayed your children what i try when i tried to understand all of this it troubled me deeply you guys ever find yourself there do you ever see things and see see successes and if only i cheated on my taxes And I got away with it. If only I could do it like that guy did. I know that guy cheated on his taxes and got away with it. Or I know uh, it's the this guy embezzled money from his company. This guy could have done it with him, but but uh, he chose not to. The guy that embezzled money got away with it. The guy that didn't was like, if I would have done it too, I would have got away with it. And this and now this guy's got all this money and I don't have anything, right? It's just a hypothetical. That's not real. That didn't really happen. So I'm sure that actually probably does happen. But that's you got what I'm saying. So he said he was troubled. Uh, this this for me strikes home because I think this is one of the things that causes me to lose sleep. When you plead and you petition to God and it doesn't look the way you want it to. You guys ever found yourself there? Pleading and petitioning to God and it doesn't come through the way you want it to. And then this person over here is, is living it up and doing whatever and everything seems to go out the, the, go the, the way they want it to. And they're, and they're happy and they're joyous and they seem like they have everything. They get in, you know, 
I found myself there many, many a times. And what it does is it builds in a cynicism. And we become cynical of what's going on around us. We become cynical of God's plan for the church. We, we become hurt. We become broken. We become angry. And it comes out in, the, in some of the things that we say where, you know, it's not fair that that person doesn't get what they deserve. And we point fingers. But you know what? It's not fair that I don't get what I deserve either. So don't forget that. But Asaph brings it together here. And and I believe this is the thing that kept him moving forward. He says, When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply. Till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. Surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. They are like a dream when one awakes. When you arise, Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you, yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will take me into your glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And and earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish, and you destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all of your deeds. Sum this up in conclusion. Johnny, you guys can. Asaph put into perspective, his eyes, his focus went into perspective. And his, his focus and his perspective is that on Christ. Now he, he's, he's talking, God, when I look at you, when I'm in the presence of God, everything changes. Because in the presence of God, I see that that's the best they're going to get. How can you envy somebody who their only hope is their demise, is their death? It sure does change the perspective of what you envy. Where me, in the presence of God, I have hope. I have a hope that far withstands anything that the world can, can obtain for me. And so, no matter how many times I look and I see a situation where somebody's getting something, you got to remind yourself, they're really broken and dying. They're hurting inside. They're striving to to obtain whatever they can right now because it's all they have hope for. But in the presence of God, we have hope that far withstands that. And in reality,
what we would want to do is just run and grab the people that 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 seem like they have it all together and give them just a giant bear hug and say, listen, there is more than what you're obtaining. There is so much more in this life. There is so much more joy. There is so much more that you can have. If you found yourselves in the presence of God, you would find yourself in the place where you were created to be. And I, and I believe that David, David made Asaph his, his uh, worship minister for a reason. Because in the presence of God, Asaph saw who God was. And that's the kind of person that he wanted to lead other people. And he wanted to tell them, look, when we're in the presence of God, we see the bigger picture. We see something that is glorious. So much so that we want to tell other people about it. That we want to tell of the great and amazing things that God has done. Pray with me, please. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your message. We thank you for this, for this psalm of Asaph. Uh, and, and I pray, God, that, that we will take something from it. That every... That when, what you will have us here, God, that we would want to glorify you, that we would find ourselves in the presence of you, and that no, none of the strivings that we put in, in our lives, the things we want to do for, our, for ourselves, none of those things drive us. But God, that we are driven by the fact that we are loved by you. So in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.